Hi, I'm Mitch Kasper, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com podcast number 78. Today I'm going to be joined by my regular co-host, Daryl Mangelenko. And just a warning to the listeners, uh, if Daryl seems a little bit off today, he um, had a bit of an incident. He dropped his uh, cell phone into a fishing hole today. I, I was, I was fishing. So, uh, <laughs> how the hell did that happen? <laughs> it's... Uh, it's innocent, but you know, um, yeah, I left it in the truck. The brother-in-law brought it into the, to the ice fishing shack. I grabbed it, put it down without really thinking. And next thing you know, cure plunk oh <laughs> goes. And before I could, before I could even reach down and grab it, it was swimming like the fishes and never to be seen again. Well, like I said to you earlier, it could have been worse. It could have been your keys or something. So yeah. <laughs> no, no harm, no foul. Those, yeah. those things are easy, easily replaced. Um, okay, let's uh, get, get back to business here. Uh, the Jets uh, started the week with the final game of their three-game, very successful three-game New York road trip with a uh, win, an empty net win over the Islanders and then uh, split a couple home games, uh, part of their four-game homestand. So... Overall, uh, thoughts on the three-game New York trip? Well, those games were actually, what I would—I mean, those are character-building, you know, galvanizing-type games where you know the Jets have been guilty of giving games away, and you know we turn around and 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 make a uh, two-goal comeback late in the game to win it. Um, you know, it's. These games, they were impressive in their own way. And it, and they started to remind me a lot about the type of games we were winning last year and the, the type of games that uh, um, made us super successful in terms of the, those tight one-goal one games. You know, it's no coincidence, though, that, you know, Hellebuck over the last his last three games, he's got a 967 and 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 an even one goal against. And he's been a big part of, you know, this block of this week. And uh, so it's been really encouraging in terms of how we are winning. Um, and and after tonight's game, you know, we are stacked in the top well, we're you know, we're point zero one goals against. Um from fourth spot, right? So call us in fourth spot for uh, the lack of a better term in terms of goals against per game. So, you know, our defensive game is is getting better and, and, and you know, those high-scoring games we were engaged in earlier in the year, you know, those four or five goals against just aren't happening as often. So maybe it's a sign of uh, things to come. Well, it was funny because there was a lot said, uh, you know, like, people uh, not giving their due on the Ranger game. You know, Henrik Lundqvist stood on his head that game and it Absolutely. Took a, took a late goal by Little to tie it up and then we won it in the shootout. And a lot was being mentioned about, wow, you know, nice win against uh, the New York's AHL team and all the injuries and young guys. And that's, and that's a fair comment. But you know what? You still got to do it, right? And, well, uh, and, and you're... The goalie wasn't an AHL goalie. This is one of the best goalies in the league over the last 10 years. So, you know, and he had his A game and he almost stole a game for, for the Rangers in that sense, right? So, yeah, yeah. so I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't want to be quick to, to dismiss the quality of that win. And conversely, though, Monday night, uh, the Jets went into Long Island, or no, actually they played in Brooklyn against uh, the Islanders and, uh, Dare we say that they probably had eight AHL guys in that game? 
Our blue line was Truba, Sharat, and the Manitoba Moose. That's right. And so... And, and, we again we we played a style of game that was conducive to keeping it simple and uh, you know not trying to give up a whole lot and you know nice job on their part with all the injuries that we've had in a little bit uh, it was nice to see a few guys come back uh, you know the last couple of games with Buffalo and Morsey and and so from that perspective I think we weathered that little storm quite nicely. Yeah, I, I thought the game on Monday night was probably Sammy Niku's best game. Uh, he made a lot of positive of a, positive moves with the puck. He looked a little more assertive. And I guess, you know, you know you get that extra ice time at, uh, with some of these guys. That's what they need. And I'm guessing Sammy, I didn't see a lot of moose games last year, but I'm guessing he was getting a ton of ice time there. So it's probably hard for him to sit on the bench as much as he has been, or even not even dressing. I think he proved he he proved uh, two things. One, that he's capable of playing at the NHL level, but two, he still has lots of work to do to be a, a quality NHL player. And and so uh, you know his first three or four games were not, uh, you know, they weren't very good. And and he'll be the first to admit it, which he did. But you know, there's some. When he gets up in the play and jumps in and uses that skating, it's clear the guy's got the skill level to to be here. But, you know, it takes time for defensemen to have that consistent play. And, um, you know, he's he's going to have to over-ripen a little bit, I think, in the AHL to before he's going to stick. It'll be no different uh, than how things uh, rolled out for Josh Morrissey. I was just going to mention Morrissey because I was very familiar with him and his game. To watch it now morph at the NHL level, we're starting to slowly see what I saw when he was in, well, when he was in... Uh, Drafted, when he was in the well, World it, Juniors it, and in in, in in the W. Yeah, but he was, yeah, and when he was in Prince Albert and then with Kelowna, uh, in that playoff series, he was so good, and he's not even at his peak yet, I don't think so. There's lots of growth left for Josh, and he's uh, coming along nicely. And same with Sammy, I mean, he's going to... You can see he's got real good offensive ability and nice hands, and that he's not going to lose that. What he'll learn, he'll learn to defend a little better. We're not expecting him to be a Norris Trophy defender. He's going to be like all the rest of the guys in this era of hockey. He's going to have to be a quick puck mover, and I think he'll put up points. So I think in the future, we're going to be real happy with his game, and he's going to be in our top four, no doubt. I have, Absolutely. No doubt, I have no doubt in my mind he's going to be a top four. And not bad for a guy that was plucked in, what, the sixth round, seventh round? Uh, yes, I think it was the sixth round. Yeah, he was late. So, uh, yeah, cause that's a nice pickup. Uh, I kind of had to laugh at, uh, you know, I was so frustrated in that St. Louis game. Uh, you know, down one, nothing on a, you know, St. Louis has a power play. Pareko takes a shot, it bounces off of... Uh, Alex Steen and maybe hit another guy and beats Helly and our power play. They really shut down that middle, that Shifley pass, and they shut out that uh, the cross ice pass. So, and kind of Wheeler needed to shoot the puck more or use the point man had to get that that shot through. But I think they went 0 for six on the power play, and that's going to happen. And Jake Allen, let's let's be fair too, the power play went 0 for six because of Jake Allen. It wasn't like the Jets were a bunch of bumbling Keystone cops. They uh, they made well, a ton of good the plays. Last- the last three power plays, though, they didn't get a shot on get a shot on net. So there's been some issues that they haven't reacted well to, and I think they've got you know. So you know, what do they do this game? They go and get three uh, three power play goals. But um, 
they they've slowed down their puck movement, which hasn't created those opportunities, either the seam to to Liney, uh, the cross seam, or the quick uh, the quick hitter to Shifley, and and that's all about puck movement. And but they can get away from all of that and 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 get the defenders playing differently if if a few uh, few bombs from the point start to happen a little bit. You get you know. Uh, there's so many weapons, and they've got to use all of them to keep everybody honest. And that's what I was thinking about with Wheeler. He, uh, when he comes off that half wall, they know that he's looking, looking, and uh, throughout all the process of them being successful in this power play, there's been times where he'll take a look and he'll snap that high shot at that top corner, and he does have a good shot. And it kind of puzzles me why he doesn't actually shoot more, but he does have a good snapper. But that was something he wasn't looking to do, and if he's not looking to shoot, it was like when the Jets had Toby. <laughs> they would never cover him because they knew he was never going to shoot the puck. Mm-hmm. So Blake just needs to, even if it's a courtesy shot, you know, you got to flip that shot there just to just to make them know it's there still. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Jake Allen was good. And it was <laughs> he, they got goalied. Let's just let's call a spade a spade. They got goalied. You know, they yeah, there's you know it happens. But the thing that really pissed me off and kind of made me laugh and kind of chuckle tonight is. Here's Jake Allen standing on his head. He was full value for that shutout. He was absolutely amazing. But yet tonight against the Canucks, he couldn't get through the halfway through the first period. So isn't that karma? Isn't that weird how that works? Well, that's, it just tells you how inconsistent Jake Allen's, Allen's career has been and uh, why St. Louis is really in the spot that they're in. So, uh, you know, I suppose not a surprise, you know. Yeah. Oh, and, and just, to, just to confirm... Niku was a seventh round, one hundred and ninety eighth overall. Pretty nice, huh? Pretty, pretty darn nice. So the next thing I want to talk about, and it's, I need the listeners to understand that I'm not hacking on Patrick Liney. Okay, uh, it's more, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tired of hearing this narrative on the radio about how he's going to get paid. You know, if he scores forty or fifty, he's going to be getting paid. You know, ten, eleven, twelve million dollars, and. You know, He's going to be worth every penny and this and that. And I'm just going to say stop the halt. I I love Patrick Laine. I think he's an elite scorer. But that type of money, and especially for an RFA, okay, that type of money is reserved for superstars with complete games. And let me tell you, this guy's game is nowhere even close to complete. It's not even adequate yet. He's good. You know, like I said, I think I even posted on Twitter today, I said, when he's in the offensive zone and shooting, I'm happy. But when the puck is in the neutral zone or defensive zone, I wince every time he's around the puck. He is struggling defensively, and there's nights where he looks very lazy and lethargic. And that's not a $10 million, $11 million hockey player in my book. I don't care if he scores 60. You can't be just a power play specialist. You have to play a complete game. And I'm tired of hearing this narrative. Well, you know, he's only 20, he's only 21. That's true. He only is that. No, I'm just going to say this. If you want to be paid like the big boys, and I'm not hacking on him because it's going to be with his agent or what they feel the market demands without looking at the big picture. You can't just look at goals. You have to look at goals, assists. You know, you can look at his Corsi numbers. You can look at everything. But the eye test will tell you that he stinks in his own end and he's not a complete player yet. And that's... That's just me. Other people feel differently. They figure they can live with all of that as long as he's scoring. And I'm just saying, and that's fine, but you pay him accordingly. 
So if you're Chevy in negotiations, you're going to put a, you're going to have a plus ledger and a minus ledger, and in the middle is where the truth is, and that's where you're going to get paid. I don't like our media telling our fans that he's going to be making eleven, twelve million dollars when I don't think there's, it's worth it. There's not very many players that are going to be in that eleven, twelve million dollar range. So let's let's get that out of the way and. And, you know, frankly, I'm not sure anybody deserves to get equal or more money than Connor McDavid. He is without doubt the best player in the league. He's, he can score. He's uh, he's he's a complete player. And so um, so I, I don't disagree with you on that, that point, but maybe I'm coming at it from a different angle. But, yeah. you know, Patrick Liney will get paid. Oh, yeah. uh, there's no There's no two ways about it. Um, you know, and, and this still comes back, and I think we've talked about this for two or three podcasts now. Their players are getting paid off younger and younger and younger, and I think that's going to become a, a, a huge problem for the league. And and maybe the league will view it differently, but it's a huge problem for the teams. The windows of opportunity for these teams is even less than it's been for, let's say, a Chicago. And Chicago's had a big window. You know, it's... It, Los Angeles had a super short window, but you know, that's, you know, maybe, maybe they overachieved that. They, they got some great players there and that, but you know, the style of play, uh, had a short window for them. So, um, well, I guess the last, he's going to, he's going to get his money. Yeah. And I'm, I guess going back to the last CBA and the one even before that, um, it was a rarity for a player coming out of his entry level to be in the, top one or two players on his team. So it's no fault of these young superstars. <laughs> it's not their fault. They're the best players on their teams. And based on historical numbers, they want to be paid accordingly. So is that going to be an issue the next CBA? I don't know. I've heard a lot of experts say that there is absolutely no reason from the NHL side or the NHLPA side where they would want to terminate this deal. So they figured that this should be a pretty seamless renegotiation of the of the CBA. Uh, everybody seems to be happy. I mean, everybody has a little bit of their beef. The players don't like the escrow, blah blah blah. But for the you know, that's the a most, big issue though. Escrow is a big issue. Yeah, but for the most part, they're getting paid, and uh, the best players are getting paid. So uh, I don't pretend to be a, a you know a cap expert or a CBA expert, but uh, uh, I'm seeing a lot of money. Uh, 50% of the revenue is pretty darn good. How they divvy it up is up to them, I guess. And, uh, uh, you know, but back to the point, young players are getting paid and the older players aren't. So uh, I guess, you know, if you want to make, I mean, I guess it's what the market will bear. I trust that Chevy's a pretty smart guy and he doesn't really care what other uh, teams pay their players. If you know, if the first guy makes a mistake, Kyle Dubas, that doesn't mean, does that mean everybody else follows? I say no. But mm-hmm. we're going to find out once again this uh, this summer. But uh, yeah, I'm just I'm very upset with um, my thought is with Patrick Liney. Yes, this is his third year. I would hope to see some improvement. You know, I don't think he was this bad defensively in his first year. And Nick Ehlers used to catch a lot of flack about his defensive play, and so did Kyle Connor. To me, Kyle Connor's of all the young Jets, he's the one who's trending in the right direction with defensive play. He is so much better than he was two or you know, last year, year before. Uh, same thing with Nick Ehlers. Nick Ehlers' defensive game has leaps and bounds better than it was. 
And, you know, he's a product of the Quebec League too, right? Top scorer, you know, always, yeah. has, the, always has the puck, didn't defend much. Uh, a lot of flybys and whatever. But he's grown out of that. And I'm just waiting for Patrick Laine to do it. I don't see it. I don't see... It's tougher for him because he's not an elite skater. Like, he skates pretty well. And he, when, once he gets going, he gets going. He has a very slow couple first steps. And he's he hangs on to the puck a little bit too long. And gets he gets checked along the boards easily from behind. He scares the crap out of me. And I'm losing trust in him. And I'm not alone because lots of guys on Twitter talk about it. They'll agree with me. Some guys tell me to shut up. You're an old fart. And, you know, what? he scores goals for us. But you know what? It's all fine and dandy in the St. Louis game when he's rattling off, you know, five and he had that tremendous week. But when he goes through, you know, stretches where he's not really scoring, and then those also those same stretches where he's only scoring on the power play, you notice his deficiencies more. <laughs> is he a great player? Yes, he is. Does he have a long way to go? Oh, yeah. Because uh, just, for, <laughs> just for all those Toronto fans out there and those Winnipeg fans that were debating about this, no, there's no debate. Patrick Laine is not even in the same league as Austin Matthews and never will be. So let's put that to bed. And I want to hear those arguments anymore. And it's, and, and it's even the same for his idol, Alexander Ovechkin. He is, in Ovechkin's worst dog days, when he was not backtracking and everything, he was still a better defensive player than what Laine is now. Ovechkin's older, more mature. You know, his window was closing. He finally got his cup. But he did start to work a little harder the last few years. And the thing with Ovechkin is he can skate. He plays a tough physical game he can hit. When he's not scoring, he, he, he's a contributor now. And uh, Patrick Liney has a long way to go to get there. Uh, let's, I'm going to stick with that narrative and say, yes, he is young. Will he learn? But he's got a long way to go. And uh, as far as I'm concerned right now, he's earned nothing. So if he gets 40 goals this year, good for him. We're going to start. We're going to get into his first RFA contract. And uh, I, I just don't want to hear this silly talk about him being the highest paid paid jet, whatever, whatever, whatever. I think he will be the highest paid jet, well, but it's not going to be a ten, eleven, twelve million dollar guy. There's like, you know, he, I just don't. He's not a ten million or eleven million dollar player in re, in relation to all the other other stars. So, I, and frankly, if he was, let's just say uh, he gets paid 11 million over the next seven or eight years, you know, it's, I worry about uh, our ability to keep all our players, you know, it's, it's, so there's that part too. And, and the 10, 11, 12 million, look at Edmonton, you know, they go and pay silly money, uh, for their second guy for Dreisaitl, in my mind, which is the contract that's ultimately going to hamper them yeah. the most, you know, and, and notwithstanding the silly contracts for uh, Luchik and all the rest of that, you know, like, but, he, you know, they still, you still need players, right? You still need players beyond one or two of your top stars. And, and we're in a great position having developed these players uh, through the draft. Um, but we still have to, you know, come to the realization that there's not going to be enough money to pay everybody. And Kyle Connor strikes me as one, you know, now that we know there's a Seattle uh, expansion happening, you know, what happens at that draft is very concerning. We're going to lose a very good player. And, yeah. uh, well, yeah, and you mentioned you Kyle know, Connor. He wants to get paid, and we still got the big ticket coming up. See, Connor, they can still mess with a little bit with the RFA years. But Truba has to get paid or moved this right like immediately. 
And uh, and Josh has still got RFA years, but he's the next guy to get paid. And to me, Josh looks like he's going to get paid because I just, you know how much I gush over Morrissey's game. I love his game, and I don't mind him getting paid because I think he's going to be a superstar. So who would you pay? Well, I think we already know the answer, but, you know, it's an interesting question. If you like, you could only sign one one and not uh, and not both, you know, who do you sign, Morrissey or Chuba? Oh, I think both of them get signed uh, without a doubt, there's there's other way on this Jets. There's other ways on this Jets team to chop salary. Uh, it's not going to be at the expense of either one of those two. Uh, the guys on there. I mean, Myers is going to be out. Kulikov is going to be out. Uh, Perot can be out. They'll they'll give a little away if they have to. They'll they'll be they'll the money will be there. The Jets just don't like and don't want to do it the way we think they will do it because they're a very loyal group. You know, when they signed Little. They probably told him, you know, we want you for the duration, and uh, you're our number two, and at worst going to be our number three, you know, center going forward. Um, if push comes to shove, they're not going to sacrifice any of the kids for a little, you know, or or a parole. So I, yeah. I'm not worried about getting these guys so, getting paid, though. So, you know, given, well... I think it's good. I I, I I have this sick feeling in my stomach that that it is going to be a problem because, you know, you think you think you're going to sign like we haven't been able to sign Truba for two straight years. Yeah, we haven't been able to to get him on a long term contract. Uh, what what next year? Uh, his last uh, RF, RFA year, he's going to miraculously decide to sign a long term deal. I I don't get. I don't think so. Well, I, you, I, do you think I don't Jacob think he'll Truba, ever sign long term here. Do you think Jacob Truba's problem is that he it was money? Because we keep on hearing it's not money, right? Oh, it's totally about money. Or is it the fact that he just wants to go to the states? There's that's still out there. Well, sure. That talk's sure. not going to go away. So if I mean, if he but you got to if you want me to stay, you got to pay me. Well, I don't even think it's that. It's, just, he it's could, he'll get if you want me to stay in Canada, you got to pay me. It always comes back to money. Yeah, well, we're going to find, well, we'll know. We'll find that out this this coming summer. Well, not know? even summer. I'm going to say as soon as that the clock hits, strikes midnight on January 1st, uh, Mr. Overhart and Mr. Sheveldayoff better be on the phone or sitting down together and getting this thing yeah. hammered out because, you know. We'll happens. have a good idea where we're at in a month from now. Yeah, we'll see if they're talking. Of course, with, uh, with True North Sports and Entertainment, you know, the cone of silence goes up and you don't hear bugger all until it's done. I would be nice, and I'm tired of hearing, uh, you know, Jets news from the insiders out east. You know, I'd like to hear something from the local market, just saying, uh, like, well, there's there's no one left in the local market that was an insider. We just have to listen to the, uh, you know, God, it's a pet peeve. I don't want to go there, but our local play-by-play guys are uh, they're starting to annoy me with this Homer behavior. There's nothing constructive that we're ever going to get out of this media group right now. Yeah. And that's, you know, and beyond, to be fair, that's no criticism of the guys because, and they can poke and, and prod all they want. They're just not getting what they want to hear. Um, what happens, I think, with, and when you quote, I'm doing air quotes in the air right now if you can't see me, um, is, you know, the insiders, like, you know, the Darren Dragers and, those guys out east is they'll poke around, they'll, they'll pester the agent, they'll pester Overhart, they'll give him a phone call every day where our guys don't have the time or the, maybe the want or the will to do that. So that's where they get their info from. And they get they get their info from a lot of other GMs and other agents too. 
But uh, the Jets are pretty smart, and uh, Chevy's pretty good about keeping things under wraps. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, I'd like to hear something come when January comes, just to see if, if they're talking. You know, with with that all being said. I'm kind of getting excited about this next crop of younger players that are going to have to take the bull by the horns because we do need, uh, you know, a lot of quality players on their ELC contracts coming in. And and Mason Appleton on that fourth line looks pretty good. Yeah, well, I was going to, he was going to be one of the guys uh, I wanted to talk about today. Uh, we talked about him last week just briefly, our first impressions, and they were good. Um <laughs> he could end up being, and a buddy of mine mentioned this to me today, you know, a couple years down the road. I mean, they, I know they're trying to force feed us Rosslick as our number two center. Uh, don't rule out Mason Appleton. He's a big body that can skate. He's a natural center. And he might be the guy pushing for number two center. And he might be actually more suited to that job than uh, a Jack Rosslick. But you're right. We're in good hands. I don't, you know, you don't want to jump the gun and, you know, start drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, take the, put the rose-colored glasses on and everybody's kumbaya. But uh, to me, for the small window and the, the brief appearances we've seen out of Appleton, um, I like what I see. I, I see an NHL player there, for sure. And, and not a you know, liner. notwithstanding, notwithstanding, uh, right, he's, he's not a fourth liner, but he is on this team, right? Yeah, like, right so, now, right this moment, yes. Okay, so, but that line didn't uh, do as well, uh, you know, when Matthew Perot had to go play with the third line because of the injury to uh, Andrew Kopp, uh, or the reoccurrence of symptoms, I'm going to presume, yeah. of concussion symptoms, yeah. you know, Matthew Perot with that line was, and with Appleton and Roslovic made that, I mean, that line was dynamic and they made things happen. Um, and less so now with, uh, with Lemieux and, you know, that's just the way it is, you know, uh, but that group, that, that group of three, four players, uh, five players, when you count Nick Patan into the loop, are pretty dynamic in terms of, uh, you know, the younger player. Yeah. Speaking, you mentioned Nick Patan. Is he, uh, I know, I, I, I'm a Portland Winterhawk guy, right? I scouted for him, and I have a lot of feelings for all their players. I just, I pull for them, but uh, I worry about Nick. I think he's done. Um, he's not a winger. He's not a fourth-line winger. I mean, he can't even bump Lemieux out of the lineup, and I get why Lemieux's there. You need a little bit of sandpaper and strength on the wall. I mean, the, you know, Patan's a guy that should be dishing the puck on the power play and setting up goals. And it's not that he's a bad player, and it's not even that he's not an NHL player. He just he's in he's in too deep here. He just he's a perfect perfect um, expansion draft player at this time. You know, keep him along for as long as they can, and then you know, expose him and hope Seattle takes him. It's, and he gets to go closer to home. It, it, to me, it just makes way too much sense. Cause I, I, on this team, I agree with you. He's not going to, he needs to make a move. I think he does need to go somewhere else. And, uh, his style of play, he, you know, there's something missing in his game. Well, I know what's missing. Fourth line minutes on a good hockey team. It's just, uh, it's, to me, it's black and white. I mean, sure. 
Yeah. That's fair enough. You yeah. can play somewhere. It's really, it is that simple. You know what? We, we touched on it earlier in the podcast today. Uh, we did mention his name, but I want to delve into it a little more because, uh, you know, as this team, you, know, you, can, you can talk about their goal scoring, their penalty killing, their power play, blah, 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 blah. But this team comes and goes as Hellebuck goes. And Hellebuck's kind of looking like last year, uh, you know, Vezina Trophy finalist, Connor Hellebuck. He's been pretty darn good. And in that first period today, albeit all his great saves and actions were all on that one power play. So really what he did was he prevented one goal. (laughs) But it looked like he stopped and saved about six. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They had had six shots on goal on that power play, and he he was awesome. So, uh, yeah. But like that's that. the kind of play that we haven't, we didn't get from Hellebuck earlier in the, in the year where he, you know, he won us a period or won us a game. You know, he won the period for us uh, today. And that's what you need your goaltender to do. And, you know, it, it allowed the team to catch up. And the second half of the game, it was, uh, you know, Couple. it was all Jets. Yeah, well, stupid penalties by the Flyers and... Uh... Sure. Yeah. No, I like. I'm liking what I see out of Helly. And well, I like, like I said earlier, he's given up three goals in his last three games, and uh, he's got a 9.67. That's, uh, you know, his game is turned around, and uh, couldn't happen, you know, at a better time, given some of the injuries that we've had, uh, given you know the opportunity of, uh, you know, we kind of fell back in the standings a little bit there, you know, running the risk of. Falling outside the the uh, the last uh, wild card spot, and and I know it's early to start talking about that, but you kind of have to because there's so so much parity, um, and the opportunity to to get you know into a funk, you know, look at Buffalo. What did they win? Ten or eleven games in a row, and and since then it's been not very good. Last five you or know? six. Well, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Daryl, like the Jets right now are 29 points, and uh, Calgary, Nashville, and I believe Colorado are all at 30 points also. And we have a game in hand, so in theory, you know, if we win or, or in theory, if we would have won St. Louis, we'd be in first place right now. And uh, so it's kind of funny. You're never too far from the bottom in the, in the Central or the Western Conference, and you're never too far from the top. Uh, everybody's playing well, and we're right there. You know, we sit here, and it's so funny, like, we we can nitpick and pick at the, the the team and their record, but they're eighteen nine and two, and uh, you know back in those early years, uh, you know, it was pretty tough to get a couple games over five hundred. Never mind nine <laughs> games over five hundred, right? It so, was so funny. I was perusing the standings earlier before we got got together here, and I was looking at some of the teams that are at the bottom of the standings and you know who the bottom ten are, and I and I the thought did cross my mind. I was going. Hmm, wasn't long ago we were sitting there at, you know, like in Arizona, who's at 13, 13, and 2. You know, they rank right there. They're fourth in the league in defense in terms of goals uh, given up, but they can't score, right? So, yep. you know, we were kind of the reverse in that math. But, you know, we were this mi- middle, you know, hanging around 500, just below 500, just above 500, and you know, looking Arizona, Florida, Vancouver, like that was us. You know, yeah. and now <laughs> that was now, us. And now we're with the big boys, which is uh, which is nice. And it's, I, it's just, and it's nice to hear people around the league talk about how they all think we're contenders and everything. Uh, I know, like we see them a little, and it's like every fan base. 
know, you see your team a lot more than the outsiders, and they're oppressed from afar. Uh, we see all our warts every night. Speaking of some of our warts, nice segue there, right? Um, I want to touch on the play of uh, three of our defensemen. I want to touch on Myers, Kulikov, and Truba. And I want to start with Tyler Myers. Myers and I'll start. And uh, I'd say the last two weeks, and after we were... Well, actually, I shouldn't say we, because we said that Tyler Myers was low-hanging fruit, and there was no sense picking on him because it was so easy, and it's been done to death on social media, talk radio, everywhere else. But I noticed it in the on the road trip, starting when they went to Vancouver on that road trip, that uh, I mean, like any every other defenseman, he still makes a couple faux pas, and sometimes he can make some real dumb ones. But I thought that he really simplified his game, moved the puck where when and where it should have been moved, stopped trying to be Bobby Orr, and uh, played a little better in his own end. I just think his game overall, since he simplified it, to me he hasn't been. <laughs> he hasn't been a negative impact for me. Like I'm not seeing, like you know, when you're when you're on a guy, you can nitpick his game to death. Uh, I just I haven't seen that with him. I went, oh, well, that wasn't a great play, but you know that happens because it was mistake after mistake after mistake. And I'd say for the most part, he's been well. Put it this way, he's been a vast improvement over the first half of the season. But I actually thought he's pretty decent and actually played a couple decent games. Well, he has definitely simplified his game. He looks better, you know. But he, you know, he's still a victim of his of his own, uh, you know, doing in terms of overthinking plays, skating himself into trouble. Those things still creep up. So I guess you know, the detractors will say that that stuff's never going away, and they're probably right. But yep. at the at the same time, he had you know, let's give credit where credit is due. He, his game has improved, and again. Couldn't have come at a better time, given some of the injury problems we've had on defense. Right, and uh, you know we needed we needed him to step his game up, and you know keep us in the uh, keep us in the hunt. Yep. You know, so you know, good on him. Next, Dmitry Kulikov. Um, I've never had much of a problem with his game. For the most part, I've always thought his game was fairly simple. You know, hit the winger, make the right play, plays a little physical. My biggest problem with him was, um, as it turns out, he's probably paid a little more than he should have been paid for. But I can't stand guys that are constantly injured in and out of the lineup. He's out so much. That's my big. That's my biggest pet peeve with him is, you know, you're not getting your money's worth out of him when he's injured. When he plays, he's he's serviceable, but he's an overpaid, serviceable left-hand defenseman. But in saying that, since he's come back from his injury, I think he's been fairly solid. He hasn't been a negative impact player as far as I'm concerned, just by the eye test. Uh, he seems to have been doing, uh, like every other defenseman, you know, even the best defenseman, except for Josh. Josh makes up one mistake a month. Truba makes one a game. These other guys make one a shift. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, Cooley's been okay. I got no, right now, as long as he stays healthy, the last few games he's played since the injury, I got no problem with his game. The way he played at the beginning of the year before he got hurt, uh, when him and Myers were together, he was deserved. Like he played like a four million, four and a half million dollar, you know, co- player, and and that's what you know we needed. We needed some veteran stability. We, you know, like there was a lot of questions about the left side and and all the rest of that. He did he did what he needed to do, and he did it pretty well and and unfortunately 
Um, yeah, it's it's exactly that. He if, if he can't stay healthy, it takes him that much longer to get back in the groove. And in the meantime, going through those you know call it um, interim growing pains, uh, you know he becomes questionable, right? So uh, injury is the the number one issue with him, and and I don't mind him at all. I, I you know there's. There's parts of his game when he's on that are better than than others, and uh, you know. But uh, yeah, I, he's not a long term no. player for this team, and right. so it's uh, he he filled the role, and so long as uh, he was a you know we got we he was a placeholder. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna be a depth guy. Um, I have no issue with him, you know, it, other than the injuries. So okay, let's move on to our next guy, Jacob Truba. <laughs> who uh, I could poke at my good friend Scott Campbell. He knows that I'm a Josh lover, and he's a big supporter of Truba, so we have some fun with that. Um, I thought Truba was very rough. I thought he was awful in, in the preseason. Uh, at the start of the year, he was ho-hum, half and half, some good, some bad. But for the last uh, little bit, last three weeks, maybe even a month, he's been very, very, very good. He still makes the odd bonehead gaff, but of course nobody notices it because everybody loves him, right? Uh, the same mistakes that uh, other guys make and point out to death on Twitter. Uh, I, I refrain from doing that because I like Jake. Uh, most of the animal, if you, it's, it's either you love him or you hate him, right? Most of most of the detractors don't like him because of the contract things. But you know what? He puts in big minutes. He plays the tough matchups. He's a good penalty killer. He blocks a lot of shots. He handles the puck pretty good. He's a good second, third unit or second unit power play guy. He's just a real good all around player. And we you know what? We talked about, I want to get him signed up, lock, get him locked up long-term and just end all this silliness because uh, we're a better team with him. I don't want to lose him. Agreed. I can't I can't deny that. We would be a better team with him. You know, it's, uh, I just don't believe that uh, we will sign him long-term. I, you know, and I, I hope I'm wrong. And it's just a gut feel that I have. This is, you know, this has not gone the way you would think uh, given the the growth of this team, uh, the potential of this team, and and you know it makes you think that there to a degree he has he he believes he has the capacity to be the you know an anchor defenseman. Well, he's the number two defenseman, maybe number three defenseman on this team, and this is a very good hockey team. So. You know, will someone with uh, a terrible defense pay big bucks for him? Absolutely. And I guess that's the problem with evaluating what a player should get and what, you know, does he overestimate his street value? Well, no, actually he doesn't. The problem is, is that when you got him, you got to sign him or lose him. And, you know, you're, you, it's the devil, you know, and the devil, you don't know. You've got the player, you see what he plays like, you know, and you determine that he's, worth X X amount. Another team who doesn't see all of that on a regular basis uh, will be prepared to spend more money. And that's the, that's the reality of how this all works, you know? Um, so unfortunately, I'm not sure we, we were going to get a chance to sign them, you know, beyond next year. It's, uh, you know, we have a chance in January, as you pointed out earlier to get an extension, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. He'll play out his RFA and go to UFA status, and 
and then we'll see where the chips fall. But, um, you know, yeah, that'd be tough. interesting. Interesting times ahead. It's it, it with respect to Truba. I mean, you know? I'd be interested to see if they don't if they, if they feel they can't get anything done, so they do the playoff run with him, and then uh, possibly at the draft or, or in the off could be any time in the off season, we could see a big trade. But uh, yeah, I don't want to lose him. I shouldn't say that. I mean, I don't mind anybody moving on if you trade him and you get great value for him. Uh, if you can replace him with an equal value player, but that's tough because you're not going to trade. Uh, nobody wants to make a lateral move to get true, but they want to steal him, right? So, well, that's right. That's right. Anyway, that's... we got to we got to wrap her up there. We're at 40 minutes yep. already or so. Uh, some yeah, good topics. Today. Lots we probably could have kept on going, but uh, uh, for the most part, uh, pretty successful week. Um, so we this week basically what happens is we got. Uh, Two more games in, out of the, uh, in the four-game homestand here. we got Chicago on Tuesday, Edmonton on uh, Thursday, and then a rare Friday night road game in Chicago, and then back on Sunday against Tampa. So four games this week, three at home, and then they go on that three-game road trip after that. So we have lots to talk about. Uh, uh, two games against Chicago. <laughs> um, you, know, you hope that that's uh, two wins. We got Edmonton, Tampa. So yeah, we, there's uh, there's potential for some entertaining games here. There's some potential for some points. So uh, interesting weekend. We'll talk about that next Monday, I guess, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Once again, Daryl, I'm sorry you hear about your phone, but uh, thanks for <laughs> thanks for joining me today. And uh, for all our listeners, we're going to reiterate. Uh, you know, like us, follow us on iTunes, uh, Podomatic, uh, Anchor FM, Spotify, anywhere you can find hockey podcast you should be able to find us uh, look for Winnipeg Hockey Talk and uh, on behalf of my uh, partner Daryl and myself uh, thanks for listening and uh, see you this Monday bye Daryl take care